0: Shall we begin? Let's begin. This is incredible. Johnny Boss with a masterful solo goal. What a finish from Samuel Silvera. Robertson
1: and the Man City youngster opens the scoring.
0: Oh, and it's going. Equalized right at the end.
1: This is the Soccer Who's podcast, the show all about Australian football, as we look to unearth the next generation of soccer who will one day wear the green and gold. Welcome back, to the Soccer Who's podcast. You're joined by myself. My name is Lachlan, and hi, Lachlan. To, to my right, that voice that you've just heard is James, and a special welcome. I might add to our friends over at Paramount Plus. I say friends. I've never met anyone actually who works at Paramount Plus. At this stage, it's not even a real relationship other than I use their service to watch football. But big announcement this week that we will have pause and rewind, which is an absolute win. So that's a you know big tick in my book. Congratulations. Supposedly, it has been really hard to try and get it organized is what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah, bit bit odd, um, because I wouldn't imagine it's too difficult a thing to implement. James, do you know
1: much about coding? Do you know much about broadcast A little bit, software? yeah, a little
0: bit of Python, and open broadcast Okay, software. well then,
1: why didn't you put your hand up to, to volunteer to do it for Paramount Plus?
0: Uh, because I have a feeling the problem isn't so much in the implementation, it's the big wigs up above.
1: Yes, okay, well, I that that's kind of what I was alluding to. Supposedly... According to one Channel 10 Insider, it's the people over in the States that are making it a bit harder, which, I mean, surely anyone wants to improve their product, but also having worked in organizations, you've you you've got the little guys wanting to do the stuff and the big guys going, yeah, maybe, maybe next week. That's not also a statement on my current workplace. I would like to add, if anyone that I uh, work with is listening, I love where I work. It's actually, it's pretty great. Anyway. Is that uh, a shovel you got over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> thanks mate. I will put that shovel down. James, at the end of last episode, we, we asked the loyal listeners of this show to, to share their thoughts on the Socceroos squad for this England fixture and this New Zealand fixture that we've got as well. The Soccer Ashes, which I can't say is really catching on just yet. I think, I feel like the England fixture is the bigger fixture of the two. And then the soccer ashes has kind of been put to the side. Yeah,
0: it, it, all the spelling has been wrong for me for the advertising and soccer. Sure.
1: Uh, look. Anyway, uh, we did ask people who they thought was a bit rough to miss out on the squad, and we had some responses. Uh, I'll go through them quickly. Uh, so Carlos and Varelli both said Jean Roux. Uh,
0: mm, good shout.
1: Playing in, in league one. League one. Yep. Pardon your French. Yep. Pardon my French. Playing in League... Playing in League 1. Devlin, uh, Varelli also mentioned, said that he could have also been in with a shout. And they've also said that if Sicardi and Strain don't get decent minutes in the next two games, they'll be super disappointed. And do you know what? I agree. Yeah. I think we're probably likely, potentially, to see a a debut from Miller in the New Zealand game, I would guess.
0: Yeah, that would make more sense to me.
1: uh, So... We might see him, but I imagine Strain is the first pick. And Sicardi, I agree.
0: If we don't see him in the New Zealand fixture, oh, big concern there.
1: Yeah, Oh, massively. Uh. Also, Ben Falzon says Moture or Garan Kowal over Mabil. And uh, Dan Young, I also see that he's said Jean Rue. So some Jean Rue fans. Within, Fair enough. He's within good player. Listener, listener, listenership? Within the people who listen to the show. I'm, I, I can't say whether these guys are fans or not.
0: Yeah, we had to have a. Do we have a collective noun yet for listeners of the show? No. Maybe that's this week's question of the day. What is the collective noun for the listeners of the show? No, I, I, I cringe whenever you hear that. Yeah, like, I, I do as well, but it's almost like an ironic thing now.
1: Yeah, but I, I don't know if people would understand that it's an ironic thing. True. So um, get in touch if you really <laughs> want to identify yourself as something other than someone who listens to this podcast. Uh, as you can tell, I'm uncomfortable <laughs> by the thought of someone considering themselves hear, a fan. You can hear the visceral cringe through yes. the microphone. Yes. Anyway, uh, interesting that Ben Felsen said um, over Mabil bill uh, or Kowal because we also put up a poll uh, asking people, you know, should he been given a call up? And we were called out on, on X on Twitter this week by Jacob. Audio of the both of us. Absolutely ripping into uh, my bill. And look, sometimes players do things to make us look silly, right?
0: Lucky did it last year. Exactly.
1: And I actually almost would prefer that. Maybe not prefer. Hopefully our takes are, are good enough that we are switched on. But... A player can always prove us wrong. Oh yeah. And we would much rather than prove us wrong in a, in a positive way. We'd much rather a player actually well and truly surpass our low expectations of them. And he did that. Uh, We'll go around the grounds a little bit later, but I want to highlight that heading into camp, Aylmer Bill, two goals and an assist. What a game it was from him. And, Look, one game doesn't one one game doesn't uh, I guess display that a player is well and truly back, but it's good building
0: blocks. Yeah, to potentially rebuilding his career. Yeah, for sure. And we said about six months ago on this show, actually, um, when speaking about Alan Bill and the struggle he, he faced, you know, moving to Cadiz, his struggle leaving, of course, um, Michelin Denmark. And the kind of whirlwind after that, uh, the big downfall for him was Michelin figuring out he's not really good enough to play as a left winger at the highest level, you know, at that second tier European nation level, um, and they try to transition into a right winger. Didn't really work out uh, because Mbappe just doesn't enjoy playing on the right wing. It's clear when he's out on the right wing that he, in the past, didn't enjoy it. Um, Moved over to um, where was it? Before Cadiz. Turkey, wasn't it? Yeah, some somewhere in Turkey and didn't have a good spell over there. Um, then went to Cadiz and, you know, played a little bit on that left wing. Wasn't great. Um, and now finds himself over in Switzerland where he's not really played on the left wing. But finally, he's been selected and it's been on the right wing. And he starred. He was phenomenal out on the right wing and... We said in that episode about six, seven months ago that said, the. I think we what we came to is the big re- revitalization for Alan Bill's career is at the age of 28, he's not going to pick up the relevant skills that he needs to become a good enough left winger at the level he wants to play at. But his entire skill set scoots a right winger to the T. Fast, can take plays well on a one-on-one creates really advantageous scenarios in the box uh, and has a good eye for a cutback and a low driven finish. And he played on the right wing and he dominated there. And hopefully it's a sign of things to come. And hopefully it's a sign of Elmer Bill, you know, committing to that right wing slot, uh, putting his head down and playing there. And I think if he continues to play consistently on the right wing, he will be a Socceroos level winger. And that's kind of the ironic timing of this because mm. he's played left wing for the past two years and it's been mediocre. You know, plays in the right wing and he's brilliant. And it's, it's great to see because Alan Bill, he's got the whole tool set to be a soccer's level winger. Um, and I think it is as a true winger on the right. Uh, so it's great to see him playing out there, playing well uh, and creating bu- brilliant opportunities, cutting across the face of goal from that right wing, turning the corner against a fullback.
1: James, do you think he will get any minutes against England or New Zealand?
0: Graham Arnold will play him. That's just the Graham Arnold thing to do. Um, Arnold seems to value national team camps uh, to build players up, going back to club land. Um, So he would have seen that um, Bill struggled a little bit. Now he's coming in on a high, uh, which would have almost guaranteed us to get more minutes, I think. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him start against New Zealand.
1: Okay. Uh. Well. Look. I. I hope. I, I. I. don't like seeing the downfall of anyone. No. Uh, it, I think you would also agree with that. But it's hard when you're trying to do a show where you're trying to speak analytically about a player, and then fair they absolutely fair. show you up. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So you know. Congratulations to him. The Socceroos do play Saturday morning against New Zealand, at five forty-five a.m. Each. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, so you do the maths. I don't know where you live when you're listening to this, but uh, work out what time that game is going to be. A- against an England side that, you know, they're not pu- they're not just playing, they're, they're probably not going to be playing a second-string side. They're going to use this as an opportunity to, to test themselves. Will we see Harry v. Harry, the two big Harry centre-backs? Hopefully. Hopefully we get Harry v.
0: Harry and Harry.
1: Oh, yes. Harry Kane as well. Uh, I know the Harrys. Or unless you're talking about Harry Winks, which would be a, a really left of... I don't think he's in the squad. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That would be a really left of field yeah. pick for him to get a call
0: up this late. Yeah, actually, I should calling up Harry Van der Sar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Harry Kuehl, just a, a... Yeah,
1: yeah, bring him back. Bring him back, just for one game. EA Sports FC stuff, just a- <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, look, unfortunately, Ryan McGree is mm. is no longer a part of the squad. Foot injury has ruled him out of of the squad. Yep. You'd know more about this than I do. How many games, like, f- how many fixtures does someone have to play before they're locked in?
0: Um, three competitive.
1: Okay, because we've had friendly. Like, these are friendlies, I guess. Yes. So. I would like to see Robertson yeah. play against England. Um,
0: three competitive till you're locked in. Yep. If you play a fixture, um, you have to wait three years before you can switch allegiances though. Okay. So just extends the timer, right?
1: Yeah. That's, that's, that's good to know. I would like to see him though, play against England, at, you know, a nation he has played for at youth level. Yeah. And, yeah, he's, he's one of us, though. Yeah,
0: I mean, Pep Guardiola will be watching the match, so... I wonder whether Pep will be
1: scouting any of the, the Aussies. Obviously, he knows Robertson, but yeah. any of the others? You reckon Tigler's fancy? Oh, no. you you sure? Yeah. You don't reckon that Craig Goodman could do bits for Manchester City?
0: The only player outside Robertson that has been called up that I could see having any outside shot of representing Manchester City one day would be Matty Ryan as a backup goalkeeper. Okay. As like a third choice backup goalkeeper knowing how City like to spend their money.
1: Well, I think, yeah, it's it's pretty harsh on Cicardi who, fantastic centre-back.
0: Fantastic centre-back, not Manchester City levels of growth. Maybe Um, more of a Liverpool player. Wow. (laughs) <laughs>
1: wow. <laughs> wow. <sighs> James, well, look, any, any other thoughts you have on this England fixture?
0: Uh, the England fixture specifics, um, I would really like to see us be a bit more direct uh, in terms of our approach to the game. Uh, what I saw against Mexico is we sat back a lot. We were comfortable, you know, being behind the ball and counter-pressing and counter-attacking, uh, which we did to, obviously, mix success, right? Mm. Um, but when I say be direct, I don't mean lump the ball up. What I mean is being more applied throughout the match. Be Try and be a bit more progressive. Try and hold the ball in the final third. I've yet to see a Graham Arnold team really hold the ball in that final third with any kind of meaning. It's been a lot of, you know, good patient build-up play at times, smart transitional moments uh, in creation. And then final third, all right, boys, let's get this thing in the box and see what we can do with it, right? Um, there hasn't been any really built pressure. And when we've seen success against England from you know, other nations' perspective, England have a lot of trouble defending in their own box. They hmm. struggle at it because they just don't have the centre-backs that are suited to that defending play style. Um, so I really hope we see... Um, and I think Lewis Miller will give us this if we do see Lewis Miller in the England fixture. Um, some, you know, some deep box pressure where we hold the ball, you know, in those wide areas, you know, in, in terms of the depths of the field and deep towards the bike line in the box areas and looking to turn the corner. A lot of the success that Elmer Bill got in this most recent game was from this kind of position as well. So that could be an interesting option off the bench. I think Boyle is pretty much a certain starter in my mind. Uh, On this kind of fixture, but I would love to see us actually use the width of the pitch, look to get to the byline and come across the byline to create opportunities, because England centre-backs have that, you know, history has shown that that is their biggest weakness, and I think for Australia, that could arguably be our biggest strength long-term, because we don't have a true striker, we have Duke, who does a phenomenal job, and I think it is our first choice striker, but Let's be honest. We are sitting at the striking department. Mm. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. Um, Mitch Duke is a fine player and does his role brilliantly. But we don't have that guy that will go out and get us goals. So where we will score is from team goals. And I think cutbacks, uh, turning the corner, getting the outside of defenders and looking to create errors in the opposition's defence by, you know, creating deep box pressure is probably going to be the most important thing come the Asian Cup. So I'd love to see us practice that against England. Uh, and I think that could create a very special story because that's England's biggest weakness. And famously, when a team has exploited that weakness for England, they've had some very embarrassing losses in the last few years.
1: Yeah, you're right. Uh, do you think we will try and exploit our set-piece prowess in sutter and Burgess if they play with Duke?
0: If we get a set-piece, pretty much it's got to be whipped into them, right? Yeah. No matter where it is on the park.
1: Although, like, England are not bad in the air. Like, I think Mexico, number of their players are shorter in stature. I just don't know whether kind of lobbing it into the to our tall boys yeah. is going to work necessarily.
0: Uh, it also depends on who the six is for England, right? If they play Declan Rice, I think we will not get any success really from set pieces because shielding is a very important thing. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's probably the, it's a less glamorous part of set pieces, right? It's not a, just a matter of like, oh, he's a big fella, he's a little fella, the big yeah. fella's going to win. Shielding's a very important thing, and that's something that that's something that Mitch Duke, honestly, is phenomenal at. Mm. His shielding and the way he actually can stand strong and allow these big players to come around him and, you know, have multiple players be drawn to him and, you know, create space is phenomenal. Um, but Declan Rice, that's one of his strongest <laughs> assets, right? Yep. And he's one of the best sixes in the world. Uh, and when you say that's the strongest attribute, I think will struggle with that piece as the piece on the pitch.
1: Well, James, speaking of tall boys, one tall boy specifically has picked up some match minutes. Shall we go around the grounds and chat about some of these soccerers who have picked up minutes and played heading into these fixtures? And I guess some of the future stars that have made some appearances within the past week. Sounds good, Lachlan. Well, uh... First cab off the rank as we go around the grounds. Harry Suter started against Stoke. 2-0 win. He played 85 of the minutes. So, subbed off at the end. But playing against his old side, and would you say back to his best?
0: Or near his best? Yeah, it was very good. Very good. Um, I mean, Leicester fans loved him after actually getting a chance to see him properly, realising just how good this guy is. Uh, And... (laughs) Man, I, don't, I don't know what goes through a manager's mind to look at a player and go, oh, yeah, haven't had a start in the league all year. Oh, yeah, let me give his first start against, you know, the first time playing his old side. Bit of a stitch up, but big Harry suits. Maybe, N- maybe his
1: thought process was this guy will know how
0: Stoke line up. True.
1: He's played against him in training. He'll be good against him in a game.
0: True. That's believing the best in them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that. Uh, but, yeah, Harry suits are oh, Yeah, phenomenal. He did what Harry Souter does best, you know. An absolute menace to beat on the ground and in the air. Um, Defensive stalwart and was a solid short passer. doesn't really have long ball distribution. Never really has. That's always been the big glaring weakness in his game. Um, But it was really just a classic Harry Sutter performance of. Really good defensively, in the air, on the ground, covering, recovery runs, uh, good short passing, patience, um, won't resort to long ball football. And yeah, it was just a classic, calm and collected centre-back performance, which you'd love to see. I mean, we're only a quarter of the way
1: through the season, so still early days. But Leicester currently sitting top, two points clear of Ipswich Town, with it, where Mass Longo and Cam Burgess are. And then the gap is eight points. So um, a decent little gap that they those both those sides have I guess really and if it continues then that can only be a good thing for Suter, for Luongo and for Burgess
0: well let's not get ourselves Leicester again getting promoted right there's no question I think in my mind for that
1: yeah I mean they've only conceded six all season they're,
0: they're just too good <laughs> they, they're too good for the championship they should have never been relegated that probably should have been Everton uh, but in terms of Ipswich I mean if they do the double promotion that's crazy right uh, obviously, because they just got promoted from League One. Uh, a lot of football left to play, but great to see them in such a solid place. And, you know, Mass, Camber, just leading players in that, you know, resurgence of Ipswich up towards the Premier League.
1: I mean, Mass was saying that they're, they're not getting ahead of themselves too much in yeah. a press conference they did earlier this week. They're just looking at teams above them going, who do we want to emulate? What sort of club do we want to be? Let's focus on playing good football. So... I mean, they're doing a very good job at that. Still, you know, three quarters of the season to go. But I'd love to see both those sides promoted back into the Premier League. Or, yeah, if we should have played in the Premier League ages ago. A few years ago. But both those sides promoted into the Premier League. And hopefully our Aussie boys playing an important role in that. And then next year in the Premier League as well. Staying in the championship, uh, we mentioned it just before, but Ryan McGree, foot injury in last Tuesday's win over Cardiff. So, fortunately, he's out of the Socceroos squad. Shouldn't be too long, though. And hopefully, you know, maybe ca- paves way a little bit for Silvera to show what he can do because they have been playing in the same position.
0: Yeah, it's true. Um, They went for a different option, unfortunately, in the game that McGree was out and Silvera... Mm. Um, Featured off the bench, I believe, um, but yeah, it hopefully it does pave the way for error, um to fight his way back in and be a starter, and then hopefully because McGree's been so good, they just play them both together, please. I think please. we said the same thing last <laughs> week
1: and the week before. Totally agree, James. A big one. We we mentioned this player last week. He got some cup minutes, but he has officially now made his league debut against QPR for Blackburn. His championship debut in a 4-0 win. It's Zach Gilson. But quite interestingly, he played like a minute, picked up a yellow card.
0: Yeah, look, young player, 20 years of age, um, making his league debut after quite a tumultuous, at least start to his career, right? Really highly touted youngster, um, potential wonder kid, kind of touted as. um, Dual citizenship between, you know, Australia, Ireland, and England Mm. are all fighting for him. Uh, represented <laughs> Ireland, mostly at East level, a bit of Australia as well, and didn't really want to represent England because he's like a more Irish than I am English, mm. which is fair enough. Yep. Um, but yeah, league debut. He had a torn ACL during that period as well, which kept him out of football for a long time. And for a young player, that's hard. So great to see him make his league debut, get his career back on track. And he's looking really promising, a really creative and smart player. And, you know, and the time that Tommy Rosic retires, we see a technically gifted number 10 who's very creative, very smart dribbler and can find goals and is great to set pieces. So, it'll be exciting to watch his career progress because, you know, that Socceroos midfield is one of the most competitive midfields to break into in the international game. Um, but for a young player in Zach Gilson, and great to see him playing. Um, I wouldn't think too much of the yellow card. You know, a lot of energy, obviously, for a young player in their league debut. They'll do something silly. They'll say something silly. And they'll obviously pick up a silly yellow card here and there. Uh, but that's how they learn. So congratulations to Zach Gilson. Great to see him making his, you know, first ever league appearance. And hopefully that's it's the start of many more. Because this guy has the potential to become a soccer regular.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving down, I guess, uh, a league. Cassini Yangi. Five one win against uh what's that what's that team?
0: Uh Gillingham mate.
1: They don't they don't look too good.
0: Yeah, league league two mate.
1: Yep. Yeah. Five one win though. Uh and great work for Cassini Yangi. Um commiserations to your, your gills.
0: Yeah, look. Screw Bradley Duck. Oh. Wow. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I'm I'm still hurting.
1: Are you the only Gillingham supporter in Australia? I uh, be. Yeah, okay. Yeah. There's not many of you. Uh, but yeah, in general, yeah. Back back to <laughs> Kent back, County, we're all aging. <laughs> back to Yangi, uh, he was injured. He's he's back in the side. Seeing Yangi injured? No, I know. Uh, a goal and look, not much else. Good to say. goal, yeah. EFL Trophy,
0: yeah, a bit nice of a set there. piece routine rose to it, headed top corner, good finish. Uh, and funnily enough, I saw you know scrolling the old in. Social feed on yeah. our favorite platform, uh, Twitter, uh, which yep. is obviously what it's called. Yep. Um, because is, I think he's second in the team currently for goal involvement. Wow. Despite playing four fixtures, that's impressive. <laughs> um. So yeah, he's he's prolific when he's out there, and but the ho- key the,
1: the key phrase in that is when out he's
0: there, out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, And we highlighted it when he made his move over there. If he stays healthy, it'll be a fantastic move for him because we know his quality. But his health is the issue. Uh, He's got a big body uh, and he plays like he's a little guy. Mm. And that's often quite a brutal combination, you know. When you're actually playing the game, it's a great thing, uh, but your body can break down if you're playing like a little guy with a big guy's body, so... Uh, what I mean by that, let me let me break that down. Because sure. that means a bit, that seems a bit vague. Yeah. He's got a big body which is best suited to strong movements, but he's doing all these little guy movements. And by that I mean lowering centre of gravity, rapidly changing direction, changing, you know, angles and pivoting really hard instead of, you know, playing back to goal, looking to run onto the ball. These classic big man maneuvers. He's looking to turn in tight pockets of space, receiving tight pockets of space, um, and you know, throwing a lot of feints, uh, which is not good for a player of his size. And if he can get his body in check, uh, and once he figures that out, he can find the right, you know, sports scientists, physiotherapists to get around him, and have that long lasting career. You know, sky's the limit for this kid. He's a very talented player, uh, and hopefully, back amongst the goals. Maybe they've finally figured it out of how to keep him healthy, you know? First injury over in England. Hopefully these new sports scientists they have over there are able to keep him out on the park now.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, this next player that I want to quickly chat about, he won't be on the park. And his next fixture for St. Mirren, Ryan Strain picked up a red card, played 28 minutes in a 3-0 loss to Rangers. Uh, look, maybe, maybe it was a tactical decision because he knew that he had to be ultra fresh to play England. And so he said, do you know what, gaffer? I'm sorry. We're probably going to lose this game anyway. I want to make sure that I'm ultra fresh and can absolutely tear it up against whichever English winger will be taking me
0: on. Yeah, look, you can also just say he was stopping a goal because, you know, it was to stop, you know, a goal.
1: (laughs) No, no, I like my theory more.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, it was a world-class um. I, I guess you can call it a save, um, you know, as as VAR intervened and gave us a penalty. But, hey, look, it's a, it's a red card. It happens uh, in the box. But I don't really worry too much about Ryan Strain at this point in his career. If we kind of know what he's about. Uh, we know how good Rangers are. And pretty much if Rangers or Celtic versus any of the other teams, you kind of come to expect this kind of a thing, right? So, mm. rough performance, uh, hopefully... This doesn't repeat against England because, you know, that wouldn't be ideal. No. Uh, But yeah, I imagine we'll see him against England and then St. Marin will probably see him in three weeks' time.
1: (laughs) That's true. Backers also did play in that game. He also came off early. Maybe he, similar to Strain, said, hey, why is he getting more rest time than I am? Sub me off, boss.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's definitely the mentality that these players have.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can tell that I played high-level football, James. Yeah. Uh, moving across to Germany, a player that I'm still I'm still very confused because all the reports after the injury was that it was bad and out for the rest of the season. But my man is back with two assists against Nuremberg in a 5-1 win. Jackson Irvine, also in that game, Connor Metcalf, got a beautiful goal. Uh, so great to see them heading into Soccero's camp. With fine
0: form. Yeah, look, it was clearly uh, more of a rolled ankle as opposed to a uh, sprained ankle. Because, mm. yeah, it wasn't really out for all that long and looks to be fine. But to be honest, I'll take that. Yep. Considering Australia's record of injuries. Yep. Um, that's that's a good thing. And for Jackson Irvine, I mean, he's the heartbeat of that St. Pauli team, right? Club mm. captain. Phenomenal leader. Phenomenal player. So good to see him back out there. Two assists as well. He's got kind of a way of, you know, coming in with a clutch goal, clutch assist, um, both for club and country. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a goal or an assist this international break, actually. You know, I just have have a feeling in my bones, Lachlan. I like the sound of that, James. Uh, So, yeah, but, you know, good good fixture on the Um, run-in. Good as well for Metcalf coming off the bench, getting a goal. Uh, That was a decent effort as well, you know, curling... Not really a curling effort, more of a load-driven effort with his left foot, um, finding that near post and tucking it away. Uh it was a good finish. And for Conor Metcalfe, he's kind of been a bit of everywhere for St. Pauli. Uh a bit of midfield, bit on the wing, bit on the inside forward slots, um, kind of trying to find where he's best. But the really impressive thing is he's just deepening, you know, his skill set uh during his time over there at St. Pauli. And it'll be really interesting to see if he can nail down a position. I think that's the next step for Metcalf. He's he's clearly grown as a player. He's grown in terms of his skill set and the breadth there is to his game. Mm. Uh, But he kind of now needs to nail down a starting position and a starting 11 and get, you know, a month, month and a half, two months of consistent starting football. I feel like that's the next big step in his career. And, I think he's got the talent to make it, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes for the rest of the year, uh, especially with it being broken up by the Asian Cup.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I hope that the form continues, that we see them both as key parts of the Asian Cup. I, I do like the synergy that they've got going on at St. Pauli. Yeah, I
0: like that also... they. When Metcalf first came over, he was very much just a replacement for Irvine, right? Yeah. Irvine was subbed off, Metcalf came on. But now that Metcalf's really grown his game to the point where he's got far more versatility to it, um, which means he can fulfill far more, you know, obviously positional outputs. Um, So, yeah, next big step, yeah. We'd love to see him starting regularly and nail down that starting spot.
1: James, you you mentioned just uh, before that Irvine is the heartbeat. He's the captain of the uh, St. Pally side. Forgot to mention, as we were back in England, uh, J. Rich Bagaloo, captain his side, Accrington Stanley, in the AFL trophy. 5-3 uh, win, so not great shipping three goals, but like to see him bounce back from injury. Obviously, bounce back from a red card as well. And captain the side. A lot of faith shown in him as
0: a leader. He's still relatively young as well. Yeah, he is. Um, you know, good winner over Harrogate Town, who are a decent little outfit down in League 2. Um, you know, long they were a non-league type for quite a while, so mm. they're often quite tricky teams to break down, uh, and they got five goals out of it, and Harrogate Town, they've clearly thrown the gauntlet back at Atkinson, because they conceded three, but... I mean, Jay Rich Bagley is he's a really interesting prospect for the Socceroos. Um, I think he's got a lot of kind of that Cam Burgess feel to him, I think. I think we will see him for the Socceroos. So the question is... Mm. When? Yeah, will it be earlier in his career? Is he going to have that early, you know, jump in his career and really climb up those levels in England quickly? Or is he kind of going to have that slow-burner career where he stays at Accrington for a while and you know, they get promoted to League One and he's there for a couple more years then they get promoted to the championship and then he finally gets his chance in the Socceroos, like we've kind of seen with Cam Burgess. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens uh, with J. Rich Baglou. But I do think we will see him play, you know, the game for the Socceroos.
1: Moving across to France, a player that the people who listen to this show correctly identified as someone who, unlucky to miss out on the Socceroos squad, Denny Jean Roux. He's picked up his first 90 for the season against Brest. And uh
0: it was a one-all draw, nothing to be too disappointed in. I mean, it's a 90 in League 1, right? Yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah. Uh, and Denis Jonerou, he's really come on leaps and bounds since joining Toulouse, right? He was obviously very good in League Two, um, helped, was a huge part, and instrumental in their promotion. Uh, then last year, uh, struggled a little bit for minutes in and out of the lineup. He had a few niggling injuries here and there. Uh, but then towards the end of the season, really put his head down, put his injuries behind him. Had a really good tail end for the season to really put him back in the frame for Toulouse and to be remembered as, no, this is a quality option. And now is playing regular football in Ligue 1. And he's even played a little bit in Europe, Lachlan. So hmm. for Denis genre it's really exciting to see him playing uh, football. He obviously played uh, in the Europa League off the bench against LASK Um which is always nice to see, a bit of a Australian and European action, uh. But yeah, he's been a regular starter for Toulouse now, and first full ninety of the year, um, playing in a bit more of an advanced position, looking to create a little bit more, uh, which is really exciting to see him develop that side of his game. Uh, and I'm also a bit confused why he wasn't selected, especially since we seem to go a bit thin, yeah, on midfield selections.
1: It it is a little bit of a strange. A strange one, if you ask me. Uh, just quickly also, while we're in France, does Patrick as still have a pulse? Is, is that man still alive? Because things aren't going very well for him.
0: Oh, I don't know. Maybe he's been replaced by, like, I don't know, a lizard or a robot or something.
1: I mean, who knew that being in a league like the A-League where you've got all the resources at your fingertips and you've got 100% the, the best squad that you can't just go to the top flight in France and just walk the league. And then even when you're relegated, still walk the league.
0: It's, it's the former, I think is a bit unfair on him, but the latter is completely fair. I think he's clearly got the best team in the league and he's not getting anything out of it. And that is, that's poor. Mm. Right. Because I think you still have to be yeah. a very good manager to have, you know, the best players in the league and to make it cohesively work. Sure. Cause there's a lot of egos at play there. A lot of expectations, uh, and there's a lot of you know, hurdles that you can't fall over, right? So there's a lot of talented managers managing that expectation and making sure all the egos are in check and it's cohesive uh, in that regard. So I think what he did with Melbourne City deserves a bit more credit, um, to be honest. But yeah, it, it's not been good. Like what we saw in League 1, I'm like, okay, that's that's poor. But now what we're seeing in League Two, that's... Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's poor.
1: For the record, I'm not saying he's a bad manager because we look at Vidicic at City and he's not. he's got almost the exact same squad. And yeah. I mean, there has been a little bit of rotation, a yeah. bit of turnover, but Vidicic isn't setting yeah. the world
0: alight. What we couldn't say, right, is looking at Kevin Musket, he had a horrible first stint in Europe, dreadful. Um, was offered a lifeline in Japan. With Yokohama mm. and just former club and has them playing brilliantly. And all of a sudden, he's being linked to Rangers, he's been linked to some serious European jobs. Uh, you know, he's been touted as, you know, a pep, bit of a pep disciple. Um, the, you know, very reputable football coverage mm. um, stations really rate him. Like The Athletic did a brilliant piece on him recently, yeah. uh, for example. And he's had a big career resuscitation after a complete failure. Of a first stint in Europe, and maybe it will be a similar thing with Kisnorbo. He'll learn from this kind of experience. Obviously, he's still sticking it out, he's still there, still time to turn it around. As crazy as that sounds, he could. Um, but I do feel the writing is on the wall a little bit. To turn it around at this point will be honestly one of the bigger managerial achievements in Australian managerial history, yeah. Um, to turn it around because. Once it's this far gone as a manager. I mean,
1: you've got fans making TFOs saying, get out. Yeah. He, year, he's, and also, it's clear that home. he's probably lost the
0: entire playing room. Mm. Um, so, if he does turn it around, like that's one of the most insane stories and he deserves insane amounts of praise. But yeah. I feel like he's going to have to have a bounce back. And I hope it's also in Japan. I think Japan is a brilliant landing spot for Australian managers. I think there's a lot of synergy there. I think there's just a lot of synergy in general between Japanese football and Australian football. Mm. And Australia should really learn from Japan, especially in how they've set up their football ecosystem. Yep. I think that's pretty much what Australia should do rather than trying to copy America. But that's a whole nother um, you know, can mate, of worms.
1: Mate, well, I've got here on the run sheet that we can talk about expansion very oh. briefly at the end of this episode. Okay. So maybe, maybe save some of those thoughts until then, James. You're speaking about turning things around. And this player has turned things around. His first loan stint in Scotland, look, not wonderful, but he's been on loan in the Netherlands. I'm obviously talking about Garan Kowal at Volendam in the Dutch Eredivisie. Uh, an assist against Utrecht in a 1-0 win. He's scored. He's picking up assists. This is exactly where Garan Kowal, I think, should be. And... I'm I'm excited to see him continue to take leaps and bounds and continue to grow into into the Eredivisie league and become more comfortable and start to shine because we've seen some of some of the Premier League's biggest stars have made moves from the Eredivisie straight to the Premier League, and I'm sure Newcastle are keeping very close account on how he's going.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, they're currently up there with Ajax, right? Yeah. So. Um, only one point off Ajax, so they're clearly doing very well, uh, Volendam, but yeah, for Kowal, I think the bigger thing for me is, he's playing in the league that exemplifies his skill set, which is open play, being direct, uh, and taking plays on one-on-one, uh, and looking Sorry, to I've be- just
1: seen the latter, uh, that's a great, I mean, for those who don't know where Ajax are at the moment, they're, <laughs> they're in 16, and Volendam are in 17.
0: Yeah, um, they're, they're both in relegation places.
1: Yeah. That's a... <laughs> sorry. I feel like that should get more credit because I don't know if many people would pick that up. That's I think that's the first funny thing you've said on this show, James. Oh, wow. Thank so, you. Thank congratulations.
0: You. Can you get me a badge?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, Congratulations. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Um, that joke would have gone over people's heads. People would not have picked that up. That would have been such a niche joke unless you brought to light that Ajax are currently struggling. Anyway... Yeah. That's enough of a handbrake from me. Continue what you were saying about
0: um. Cool. Yeah, the Eredivisie highlights his skill set, right? Direct dribbling, mm. taking players on one-on-one, being decisive in the final third, which is brilliant. Um, but that also really shows his weaknesses. Uh, and these were the same weaknesses that made him struggle in Scotland. He struggles in build-up play. He offers next to nothing in terms of ball retention. Um, and defensively, he gets beaten in ground duels far too regularly. Um, so from... T- really take that next step in his game. He's got to develop those sides of his game and I mean in 87 minutes for a winger to have 27 touches is uh, poor. Mm. To be honest, Um, he needs to get more involved in build-up play. That's probably the single biggest thing for me. If he can fix that side of his game, learn build-up patterns better, get more involved, learn to find pockets of space, uh, his game will come on leaps and bounds, right? That's really the big unlocking moment of his career because the second he figures that out, all of a sudden, he's up in that echelon with all these, you know, the big name, wonder kids. Mm. But until then, he's like, he's another guy, right? Yeah. And that's always the frustrating thing of being an Australian football fan, because this kid clearly has talent to get there. He's just got to unlock, arguably, one of the hardest things to unlock in football. Yeah. Which is build up play contributions. And it's yeah. very haunting to learn from an attacker. Um, so... That's probably a big thing to watch for Grant Kowal going forward. But great to see him being in a league that exemplifies his skill set uh, because, I mean, it's entertaining, right?
1: Yeah. No, it is. I, I love watching Kowal. He's such an exciting player to watch. And yeah, it's all the best to him in, in the upcoming weeks. He's one of those other players who potentially has missed out on the Socceroos squad. So hopefully this gives him more time to be in and around the club to continue working hard on the training pitch and putting up some more of these performances to help lift Volendum out of the relegation zone. Moving down to the second flight of Dutch football, Adrian Segasic got an assist in a 5-2 win over Canberra uh, for FC Dordrecht.
0: Yeah, he's been playing consistently over there. I mean, got a goal on debut, of course. Uh, then has played a lot of 90-minute football matches, um... And played 82 minutes here, but he was subbed off to have a bit of a rest to congratulate him on what was another stellar performance. He's been playing more as a right winger mm-hmm. um, this season. I still far prefer him kind of that free eight role. I think that is his best role. Uh, but he's playing in a league that, once again, just shows his skill set. Uh, but more importantly, it shows just how good of a talent he is, right? And Adrian Segasech, he has potential to be a Socceroos winger, Um or midfielder in the not-too-distant future, right? He's a very similar player to Riley McGree in many ways. I think he's a little bit quicker than Riley McGree, uh, but obviously Riley McGree is far further along in that technical journey than Sich is right now, but Sekisic has all the tools to catch up and get there one day as well. So, really exciting to see Adrian um, playing regular 1st team football. Um, like Kowal, still has to unlock that kind of build-up play side of his game a little bit more, uh, especially from that wing position, but a young player with bucket loads of talent and playing regularly uh, and looked to be a very successful loan move from Sydney FC because to be honest, he wasn't playing much over there and now he's mm-hmm. playing regular European football. So yeah. whoever that higher was like, I can't remember what it was. It was basically what they said Baum in terms Johnson? of the title. Yeah, that was, that was who it was. The title was dumb. Basically what they should have just called him was a loan manager rather than this football, overseas football pathway development manager. He's a loan manager, right? Mm. That's his job. He's a loan manager. Great hire because, you know, moves like this clearly show that, you know, there's merit to that and there's money to be made in that for A-League clubs. So really exciting stuff uh, because Segesic is clearly inflating his value and European clubs will all be interested in making a permanent move for him.
1: I don't know if there's been many other players that have made similar moves, loan moves overseas to European clubs like this. So I always like seeing A-League clubs be resourceful because let's be real, I'm not sure if there are any clubs that are making any pr- profit or very, very few, if there is any. Investing in the A-League at this point in time, you will lose lots of money, but it's for the benefit and the, the, f- the future of the game. And so I like when clubs are resourceful. I, I love watching Central Coast and Adelaide mm. the last couple of years bring in youth and, and start to invest in that and have been able to make profit. And we've seen Central Coast do that, even with the, the move of Jason Cummings got some decent coin for him, picked up some decent coin for, for a fair few number of players. And and that has actually meant that they've been able to bring back a Luke Kowal on a transfer fee, which you rarely see A-League clubs paying transfer fees for, for players to bring them back. Uh, Usually it's on a, on a free or it's on a loan, that sort of thing. So I I rate this from Sydney and it is seems to be working out at this point in time. Uh, almost wrapping up uh, around the grounds, Nick D'Agostino, he's out for the rest of the season, unfortunately. Uh, Outside chance with the Asian Cup, picked up an injury.
0: Yeah, the rest of the season um, for Norway is a bit of a different rest of the season to Europe in general because Norway obviously runs in a calendar year system, right? Because Mm. it snows very heavily over there, believe Mm. it or not. Um, And their pitches get a bit too icy uh, to play on. So, he'll be eight, through, I believe I saw mid December, mm. he was talented to be back and healthy, uh, which is outside of season, of course, with Viking, who will start up again in late January with some cup fixtures. Um, but yeah, it does mean he's a chance for the Asian Cup. But you know, a meniscus injury in the lead up to an Asian Cup and then no club football throughout all of December compounds to a very unlikely selection, especially because. You'll have very similar plays and plays like Jamie McLaren playing regular A-League football and probably playing very well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, we mentioned at the start of the episode, but Mabil, two goals and assists in Switzerland. Not sure if there's anything else to say about that.
0: Yeah, we've kind of gone in depth on Mabil already.
1: Great to see him do that to, yeah, to prove sure. us wrong. Um, you can go back, you can pause and rewind. Do you see what I do there wow. another handbrake uh james these next two players i i'll lump them in together because it's not because they've done anything incredible within this past week on the pitch but the guardian has named them both in the next generation 2023 top 60 so the the top 60 players born in
0: 2006 it's a very prestigious list oh
1: yeah it's a to be listed you know in this top 60 is fantastic and such an achievement for two Australian players. One of these, I think he would...
0: Well, they're both dual nationals, technically.
1: Yeah, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that one of these players plays youth football for Australia. One of these players plays youth football for Croatia, but is eligible to play for Australia. And I believe his dad also played for Australia. So, he
0: is a former soccerer. Uh,
1: Noah Skoko, uh, he's currently at Hadrix Split. In the youth system there. Phenomenal player. And Nestori Iren Kunda, who, if you watch the A-League, you're familiar with him. So, for those who might not know Noah who do you want to give a quick...
0: Yeah, for sure. He's really the midfielder that Australia's always been missing. Can break lines really well, can create, uh, and is very sound in possession. Uh, to be honest, Australia should be doing everything in their power to secure services. Uh, because, as illustrated by his selection in this next-gen... Um, shortlist, he's up there with Irenkunda, Kowal, Volpado. He's part of that list, right? Mm. Chipperfield, um, Ocon, Eskingla. The
1: soccer who's top 20 players. Yeah, he, he's yeah. up there,
0: right? Very talented young player. Um, dual national was Croatia. Uh, so a bit of a battle there. And Croatia have been very intentional and deliberate in selecting him, keeping him engaged because they know just how good he is. So uh, for the soccer who's really important to Look to keep on exploring options uh, and getting him in lineups. And I mean, the second he breaks into the first team, I think Croatia are going to try and cap him. So mm. it's really important. And Australia are on the front foot, having conversations with him. And I think you know, referencing players like Alex Robinson, right? These yep. beautiful stories of father-son roos. Oh yeah. Um, and leveraging those um, situations uh, to display just how special it can be um, for Nice, Koko. And for Aaron Kunda, I mean, we know plenty about Aaron Kunda as well. Dual Mm. national with Tanzania, I might add. So there is some risk there, but I think we will be okay um, for Aaron Kunda based on his commitment so far at a youth level, and you know the amount of time he's now been in Australia. He seems very much like an Australian boy, Um, and you know will probably play for Australia as much as football manager tries to make him play for Tanzania.
1: Outrageous! I think he's. Look, I, I obviously don't know him personally, but he plays regularly with the Australian youth setup. Tanzania, I'm, I, I don't know if I could name any other Tanzanian footballers. And I think that as far as career goes, unless he has a real big pull towards his uh, you know, t- Tanzanian side of his family and wanting to represent them and wanting to help build that nation's football profile. I imagine that he'll be wanting to play for the Socceroos.
0: Yeah, for sure. And look, he's clearly going to probably break through for the Socceroos in the next couple of years, I'd say, make his debut. Um, he, I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen post-Asian Cup. I don't think he'll make it pre-Asian Cup, unless he has, has an, an insane, insane yeah. A-League season and makes the Asian Cup squad. Yeah. Um, that could be fun, though. Yeah, that could be a thing. Um, but I do see it more so as a, you know, kind of a first camp after the Asian Cup. He'll get his chance is what I would predict.
1: Well, I mean, Australia's World Cup cycle is unique in that obviously the World Cup is the pinnacle. Yes. But the Asian Cup is something that we obviously want to do really well in. And so whereas other countries have the Euros in like every two years, if that, sorry, not every four years, but it's in the like... That, yeah, that other like Olympic year, let's say. We generally have the World Cup and the Asian Cup straight after. So that gives us then a, a, a roughly a three-year th- three year. Yeah. build towards the the World Cup. Yeah, two and a half. And, you know, Master Wongo was in the press conference that I saw. Uh, he was saying that this is an opportunity we, we build towards the Asian Cup and then the manager has three years to build a squad for the World Cup. And that's generally when you start to see players phased out. Some of the older players who yeah. probably won't be around for this next World Cup cycle, or less likely, you start to see the manager go, okay, let's let's start investing in some young players who hopefully will be hitting the levels that we want them to be at in three years' time. And so I, I wonder exactly, as you were saying, Yuri yeah, Kunda well, is in that mix.
0: Yeah, I mean, first players that come to mind, right? Players like Craig Goodwin... Kind that need to be phased out, and Aaron Kundo is very much like the like replacement in mm. many ways for Craig Goodwin. So. Would you
1: say Lecky as well? Probably. Oh yeah, Le- Lecky p- for potentially sure. Potentially Boyle,
0: yeah, Boyle as well. Um, Irvine even would be right in the brink. Right, he's interesting. Well, he's in his thirties now, so he he would be kind of on that cusp. He'd,
1: I could see him doing one more World Cup. I if could he, see him doing he, one he, more World
0: Cup cycle, but I could see him being rotated out of the regular starting sure. 11 and becoming a bit more of a rotational.
1: Those one. are, though, just going through that list, those are some big yeah. leadership figures within oh, yeah. the Socceroos side. Dekanek
0: so. will be certainly out as well mm. by that time. Red main. Um no, I don't know about main. <laughs> keep him around till he's 40, 50.
1: Um, all he has to do is stand goals and... Do a dance. Do a dance, which yeah. he can't do anymore because of <laughs> I- IFAB rules. So, look, we could which see... Which is dumb, might I say Oh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, we we could see Redmayne for a couple of years yet. Uh, James, speaking of Redmayne, speaking of a couple of these A-League stars, we will do a a, a bit more of a comprehensive A-League review next week. We've already spoken about our young, upcoming players that we hope to see. We are a Socceroos podcast specifically, so we try and do everything through the lens of the Socceroos stuff, but, you know, we're A-League enjoyers. We we love the A League. We we're, we're not Eurostobs. We we love the A League. We appreciate the fact that so many of our stars come from the A League. And just this week some major news was announced for the future of the A League. Should we chat about that? Sounds good, Lachlan. Now James, just this week uh bidder for the next A League side has been selected. It's Bill Foley the second, I think. He's not the first. Bill Foley the second. He you'd probably know him potentially. Uh, because he's the owner of Bournemouth. Oh,
0: wow. Small club.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I would say... Compared to
0: his, obviously, his Vegas Golden Knights well, American Championship Club. Yes. Which is ironic, because, you know, they've got the Knights Monica, and he's just bought, you know, could be getting a side in Auckland, which famously oh, had a, okay. a I Knights haven't, I Monica. haven't
1: actually... I didn't, I didn't put those two and two together. That is a great observation, though. Bill Foley, billionaire, obviously heaps of money. Look, I've got mixed feelings about this. I I don't mind that there's a second New Zealand team in the competition. I would love, and for the sake of the World Cup, which we've seen news about the hosts for the next couple of iterations for the World Cups, I would love for there to be a split within the Asian Football Confederation and East Asia and West Asia are separated. Oh, please. And for Australia and New Zealand to become part of the same confederation because then yeah, that would make...
0: Japan, South Korea, China. Oh, oh, that actually tasty. Very tasty. Which way would India go, though? That's the big one.
1: Uh, they can join us. Yeah. We need a couple of sides that...
0: Yeah, like I could make it the stands and, you know, yeah. the Middle East. Yeah. One confederation. I think that could be... Russia will probably join them as well. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, anyway, that's enough about the confederations. But I would love to see New Zealand and Australia join in the same confederation. And then I would... I have absolutely zero hesitations with New Zealand kind of being absorbed in the same way that Swansea yeah, and, Wales. And, and, and Wales are absorbed into the English pyramid. So second New Zealand side have just been announced. Canberra, don't have any news on that just yet. They've said that it's going to be announced after the start of the A-League season. But then there's still the question also of Perth and Newcastle owners still need to be found. And do we expand? Ideally, in my mind, to sixteen teams.
0: I think sixteen teams is the magic number, mm. um, and you know you don't go above that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be if a second division gets up and running, you easily a cup a cup competition right there. Oh yeah, two two sets of sixteen teams makes thirty two. That's a nice
0: round, nice round yeah. thing. League At- cup, but then you have your Australia Cup for the entire red. It's nice. It's clean.
1: It's very clean uh, and I also don't hate the idea, I've said this before in this show, splitting like Scotland does mm. and a nice eight and eight is just a nice way yeah. to, to finish off. So up.
0: what, a 30 game home and away, because you know, 16 teams, 30 yep. game home and away, split in half, then another 14 game home and away for your, pro- for your championship and relegation playoffs?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess you...
0: That's 44 games in the season, that's a good amount of football.
1: That is a quite a nice amount of football, and you just essentially treat those other games as an extended final series. Yeah, would uh, the money is obviously a big issue mm. there to be able to fund that and uh, to get that going. But I think that would be a great thing to see.
0: Good point of difference as well to the other final series in Australia, which are very much is classic Australian final series. Mm. Um, so having a promotion or promotional championship group mm. then a relegation group would be really entertaining and i think especially the relegation group yeah be really entertaining to watch because it's like this kind of reverse finals kind of yeah, thing yeah, going yeah. on
1: it's like yeah anti-finals in many ways but I, I i do love though expansion does mean more opportunities for young mm players for young managers as well. Yeah. And even the raw have just signed Ben Khan, who's yeah. at Melbourne Knights. many people kind of hoping that he would sign on at central coast Mariners. And and now he's just doing and absolutely no discredit to the role, but now he's managing the Academy at the raw, which is brilliant for the Raw, Great for the raw, but he could well and truly become an A league manager. Yeah. And if an A league club started tomorrow, I'm sure he'd be on that shortlist for, for teams to sign.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we just saw one of the players, you know, also depart that would have been up there. Um, I mean, aside Kuzmovic, who just went over to Finland. Mm. Um, he was on Adelaide United's NPL side for many years, uh, dominated over there. And um, in a classic case, similar to what we've seen with Harry Sawyer this year, far too good for the NPL, not quite there for the a League for whatever reason, just on that bubble. Um, and it's now off to Finland's top tier where Harry Sawyer has actually dominated this year. Um, so clearly the national second division is needed when we have players having to leave Australia to join professional environment. That's a very sad thing in my mind that we can't accommodate, you know, a professional environment for players that are good enough to play professionally in Europe. <laughs> mm. um, so yeah, a national second division for me is completely needed just to fill... The required professional roles because Australia produces enough talent to have two levels of professional football.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I would love to see Australia reach its potential. Just this week, there's been articles about Ange in the, in the lead up to the England game, talking about the Australian game, and I, and I understand that that man is jaded because he had high hopes when we won the Asian Cup that something would change. And it just... It didn't seem to do that. It didn't seem to have the silver bullet that he thought it would, even with the Women's World Cup. I think it's had some effect in some circles. I, I know uh, some people that I work with and, and some other you know girls have come up to me and gone, oh, I actually understand football now. Like I, I, I'm starting to appreciate it because I now get to see myself represented on the big stage, and I'm not just watching guys. And so... For me, I I would love Australia to reach its potential and I think I think it's a possibility. I really do think it's a possibility. I think we almost need to just run our own race in, in some ways, not compare ourselves to the way that other sports are run in yeah. this country. I think we can we can learn lessons from the way that other sports are run. I think unfortunately or fortunately, I don't want this to be a Code Wars thing, but the way that Australia is our AFL and our NRL are two massive sporting organisations. And I, I think that they will always have a place within Australia. I, I don't think they will die. Uh, and so people hoping for the death of those, I, I think you, you're kind of putting your hope in something that's not going to mm. happen. Let's say that they would to ban pokies funding the NRL. I think there'd be a way for that competition or a different iteration. The government would
0: probably heavily subsidise yeah, them.
1: A, a different iteration of that competition to, to come about. And they've been through evolutions of the game as well. The, the Rugby League in Australia has been around for, for years, but it's only the last, you know, since the 80s and, and 90s what we've started to see the NRL as we know it now. And then there was a weird break-off in the late 90s with, the, with the, the Super League that they had. And then it's kind of reformed and it's it is what it is at the moment. I think the game that game has gone through a number of things and it'll it'll be around so hoping that that will fall away and will will die and f- soccer will rise up in its place I think that's an absolute false hope the best way for for football for soccer to to continue to grow is to invest in smart decisions invest in the right people invest in infrastructure ourselves get some people who can make deals with different governments and can be in those meetings where you're, you're vying for money, unite football at different levels so that you've got one bid going to the government's going, Hey, we want money for this rather than having seven different organizations going, Hey, we want money for this. And then just sit back and, and, and watch it become what it can be. I think that, to be honest, this is a hot take. I don't think we should be bidding for a men's World Cup Wow! in the next 30 years. Honestly, I think the way that football at that level is going is just like, there is a hit that you get, sure, by hosting a World Cup. But I think the amount of money that is invested in a World Cup bid, especially if it were to fall away, I think you're better off investing that money in the local game and you're going to see far better results than a sugar yeah. hit that that was the Women's World Cup. And yeah. I think I'd happily host another Women's World Cup. It, they seem to be cheaper to run, and they seem to have similar effects as far as getting Australia on board. Mm. And we then see more investment in the women's game as well. Yeah. But as far as investing gazillions of money, like Saudi Arabia doing in the Men's World Cup, I just don't think it's worth it. I'd rather yeah. us... Invest in infrastructure within Australian football.
0: Yeah, and as a case study, the World Cup hosted in America, I believe. What year was it? Ninety-two.
1: Oh, I wasn't alive. I yeah. can't remember.
0: I think. I think it was around then. Um, where well off the back of it, MLS was founded mm. and was a complete and utter flop. Failed spectacularly because it didn't captivate the essence of football uh, in many ways. In america and it didn't work and the world cup sugar hit was exactly that it was just a sugar hit it wasn't until they actually made sustained progress in terms of developing what it is to be a football outfit in american create a localized identity rather than just trying to chuck the best players on a team and try and make you know some superstar filled team um until they figured out no it's about local identity and community connection and having a mate that you catch up and you see regularly to support um, a united cause and, you know, to have that community. And it's not until America figures that out that the MLS boomed. And I think for Australia, a World Cup would be, you're right, it would be a sugar hit. Australia needs to, the FA, um, the APL, need to recognise the most important thing that football in this country needs is united communities. There is too much to divide. Uh, between the many communities of football Mm. on an association level. And there needs to be a focus on how do we unite associations, how do we enable clubs to build identity from a football perspective but also from a commercial perspective as well, Um, but then also from a cultural community perspective. Mm. And I think that's the three big criteria to unlock football in this country because once you figure out how clubs can be culturally viable be community pillars, uh, but then be commercially and economically viable. We will have a thriving pyramid in this country. Um, and a World Cup isn't going to solve that problem.
1: No, yeah. I, I'd love to have a, a Men's World Cup. I think that having the Women's World Cup was beautiful for our nation to see people unite around that. Genuinely, uh, I teared up reading someone talking about, and I think I said this on the podcast, but I teared up when... Reading a post, someone was a pizza delivery driver and every house they delivered to had the Matildas game turned on. Mm. And I think that's a really, truly special thing that Australia does like to unite around national teams, especially when they're doing well. And I think there were some people who genuinely caught the bug and was like, yes, this is this is interesting. We've seen that in the number of people signed up to become members of their local A-League women's side. But I think investing in the grassroots and investing in infrastructure to ensure the success of the game in the future is more important than us trying to get yeah a Men's World Cup. We don't
0: have the facilities for a Men's World Cup either.
1: We, no, but yeah. Well, that's another thing. So let's get our own stadiums and then we can build those stadiums and, and watch them get bigger and then maybe one day we can host a Men's World Cup. But give me another Women's World Cup. That was awesome. Oh, for sure. That was great. That was so good. None of this, none of this comparing men's and women's. Anyway, that is it for this episode thanks so much for sticking around slightly longer one this week uh we will talk more in depth about the a-league next week uh give a little bit bit of a preview so i'd love to know who you think is winning the a-league next season give me your your grand final winner give me the winner at the, the end of the season if those are different Golden Johnny boot. Warren Medalist. And uh, and Johnny Warren Medalist. And we will we will see how we go. And I guess most clean sheets as well. Golden Glove. Give me that. If we're asking for Golden Boot, we might as well ask for Golden Glove as well. That is it. Catch you next week. If you enjoyed this, feel free to share it. Uh, I won't pressure you to do that. You don't have to if you don't want to. But if you enjoyed it, we'd love for you to share this with someone who also loves soccer, loves Australian football as much as we do. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Until then, enjoy the football. Go to Soccer